There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are influencers on the internet. Which means Tubi is more popular than sponsored posts for digestive enzymes and high coverage foundation. More popular than soft launching your boyfriend. More popular than making boomers explode with rage when you tell them how much you make on a single post. Tubi, it's more popular than influencers. See you in there. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. With blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar. Discover legendary tastes with America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that has no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink, thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own, into our house enter thou not, through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome, creeps and peepers, to Scared to Death. I'm Dan. Hey, Dan. I'm Lindsay. Hello. Hope you're all holding up well in the new normal. Hi. Ay ay ay! We're here for some good old-fashioned escapism again today. I know. I, I I like it, except I don't like it because I've not been sleeping well. I know. I know. It's been really rough for me. But I realized that like I haven't been doing some things in the studio that I used to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting back to basics. I've gone okay. back to my OG unicorn socks. <laughs> okay. I've, I've got on my um, my sage necklace uh-huh. and my uh, amulet. Uh-huh. Yep, yep. I have an extra box of crystals that my BFF <laughs> Kate sent me. Okay. And I'm wearing a crystal ring. Oh, man. Uh, and I'm burning an extra candle. I'm I'm surprised you're not just I'm surprised you're even sitting in a chair. I'm surprised you're just not like levitating and I, well I'm holding myself down. Okay, good. Cuz like <laughs> I don't want, you know, to float away. Sure. Sure, you got a lot of power over there. Uh, yeah, I'm the most powerful. <laughs> uh, we, we uh really quick uh, uh merch announcement before we get into the stories. Backbreaker long sleeve shirt at badmagicmerch.com today. Demonic possession vibes. One for the creepers, for sure. For sure. Uh, Logan, the designer, calls it spoopy. Spoopy. I think we're too old to say spoopy. I know. Just that's, that's, I know. I, probably, we probably, I am. You might not be. I might be on the edge. Uh, special thanks to everyone supporting the store during this spoopy time. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I love I just told you not to say that. <laughs> and, then, and that's all I got for now. We're just going to get right into it. I am terrified for today's episode because mm-hmm. Dan was already saying that this episode, he's like, huh. I just love this one story. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, my stories today, as you can imagine, two stories, one very long and freaked me. Out. This this might be the scariest story I've ever read in the history of scary stories ever. Wow. From, from fans or movies. Like, I am fucking scared, scared, scared. I'm excited. Oh, I was having so many, like... Uh, my mind was fucking with me a lot, mm-hmm. and then I followed up with a very short, very sweet palate cleanser. Okay, okay, I, I'm excited. I like, I like your pitch there. I'm not excited. <laughs> I have uh, two stories as well. First up is uh, you know a classic. Who doesn't like a haunted castle tale with a with an interesting "This is why the ghost is mad and wants some blood" kind of origin story? Okay, cool. And then we go back to Japan. This is the one I'm very no. excited about for uh, more creepy folklore, another creepy urban legend. I love the Teke Teke story. This one is way creepier to me. Great. I love this story so much. The, the tale of the eight foot tall woman. 
Uh, no thanks. Uh, so, okay. Decent amount of setup for this first tale okay, while you so, get ready. Yeah, so you do that. And just like as a reminder, I'm wearing my old school <laughs> unicorn socks. <laughs> Is that what unicorn sounds like? <laughs> like a cat, unicorn cat. Corn cat. Uh, okay, so getting started with the classic haunted castle legend, old drafty castle with not only uh, ghost sightings but a but a murderous origin story for those sightings. Wolf's Egg Castle in Bavaria. If there was one reason above all others that stood out as to why most people believe that the ghost of someone comes back to haunt the living, I'd say it would have to be for revenge. Someone dies a violent, tragic death. Bonus points for being murdered by someone close to them, and then their restless spirit comes back looking to torment those who either took their life or had something to do with their untimely death. And this is exactly what happened way back in 14th century Bavaria. Wolfsegg, uh, Bavaria in Germany, little over 10 miles northwest of Regensburg, the fourth largest city in the German state of Bavaria with around 150,000 people. A beautiful little city, actually. I think, I feel like I've been there. It's so pretty. Uh, back in the 13th, 14th century, uh, centuries, in Bavaria and elsewhere in medieval Europe, your place was dictated by your property. This plays into today's story a little bit. The feudal system made the king the apex of a hierarchy of lords and vassals and landlords and tenants. The lord-vassal relationship was one of personal allegiance, and the king called upon the vassals for military service, various duties, and return for landholding. The lords held their lands directly from the king, swore to assist him with the knights they had in their service. These knights rendered military assistance to the lords in return for land, but if the lords themselves got too powerful, the king would try to cut them down, fearing an insurrection. The king could accuse someone of treason or simply lock them up without an explanation. It was a time when nothing was guaranteed, when your position in life depended on a vast network of shifting alliances, and you always had to be one step ahead of your enemies to avoid imprisonment or death. Beginning around 1279, the Wolf of Schlotten, uh, uh, there we go, Woo. Big, big German. Schonlitten. The wolf of Schonlitten. I tried to put an extra syllable there. A branch of a Bavarian noble family began building a magnificent stone castle near Regensburg. In the uncertainty of medieval Europe, the castle, they hoped, would stand the test of time, prove to neighboring lords that they were not to be messed with. Equal parts representative of their nobility and their military might, the castle only grew as the descendants of Schonlitten increased in power and in wealth and expanded the structure. The castle was altered or enlarged around 1325, again around 1419, and expanded several times in the centuries since. It was never destroyed in over 700 years of its existence. Okay, okay, I'm following you. In 1358, Ludwig, the Duke of Bavaria, and Margrave of Brandenburg gave the castle to sisters, Margarita and Catherine. Uh, one of the two sisters and her husband sold the castle to Ulrich von Leber, and this Ulrich lived in the castle with his new young wife, Clara von Helfestein. It is so fun to watch you struggle with these names. Oh, my God. All these German names. All old, of a sudden, old-timey German names. Mar- Marita, or whatever, mm-hmm. became Hispanic all of a sudden. And then you were back to German names. I know. I don't know what's going on. Okay, carry on. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I got through them. I, I, I got had, through them. I had to acknowledge it because <laughs> sure. I'm over here dying. <laughs> Coming into possession of this impressive castle was a very big deal for Ulrich. It was a sign that his power was growing. He was a lord, and now he had a castle. He had a small kingdom within a kingdom to defend and pass down to his heirs, and he did have heirs, two sons from a previous marriage whose mother had died. And I'm sure he hoped maybe one day one of those sons or one of their sons would rise up to be a king. Sure. Ulrich was frequently away, waging wars against neighboring kingdoms to expand and defend his new territory, to grow his might, to enrich his status and increase his power further, to give more to his sons, 
when he someday died and to impress his Clara. While he was away fighting, his young, beautiful wife Clara stayed behind and ran his castle. Clara was alone, unguarded, and she eventually grew fearful for her safety. Oh boy. So she hired a local man, Georg Moller, to guard her rooms at night. Okay. That's how they said his name is pronounced. The castle served as a lodging point for knights on their way to battle, and she worried that one of those knights or some bandit or whomever could rape her or worse back in the days when that was unfortunately much more common than it is now. And then after spending more and more time with this Georg fellow and less and less time with her husband Ulrich, who was always away, Clara began to develop feelings for Georg. The professional relationship between Clara and Georg soon turned romantic, and her guardian became her lover. Oh, boy. And this would make for very juicy local gossip. The affair was scandalous not only because Clara was married, but also because she was married to a powerful lord from a noble family. And Georg, while handy with a sword and a formidable man who also came from money, was just a local shop owner and not a lord. Mm-hmm. The affair continued for several months. Soon the two who had truly fallen in love grew careless. Georg began to often stay the night in Clara's wedding bed. And eventually, of course, Ulrich found out that Georg was sleeping with his wife. Well, yeah, that's how that works. That's how that works. And by the time he knew, so did nearly everyone else in his kingdom. Ulrich was enraged. How dare Clara do this to him? He had fought to improve their status. He had bought the two of them a castle. And this was how she repaid him, by humiliating him in front of everyone he knew. He felt that she had ruined him. No matter how successful he was in battle, everyone would now know him as the man who couldn't control his wife. Mm-hmm. He felt he had to do something to save what was left of his honor. He wanted to kill Georg, but Georg, despite not being noble, was well-respected, did come from a wealthy family. And Ulrich, being noble but not actually being a king, couldn't just openly kill him without risking then being killed himself. Okay. He considered hiring someone to kill him, but Georg was a skilled swordsman, and there was a lot of risk with this plan. If he failed, if he hired men to kill Georg and Georg ended up besting them and getting them to talk, they could confess that he had put them up to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he could end up being put to death himself. Mm-hmm. Again, he couldn't just kill whomever he wanted with impunity. He was a lord, not a king. So Ulrich decided to kill his wife instead. Oh, I didn't see that coming. He hired two young farmers to kill Clara, men strong enough to do the job, poor enough to stay quiet about it if he gave them enough gold. After dismissing his wife's guards several evenings prior, he paid the men, gave them directions to his wife's bedroom. And as the men snuck into the room, Ulrich heard Clara's death screams ring out. The men had done their job. Over the following days, Ulrich played the role of the grieving husband. Mm-hmm. He wept for his dead wife. He pretended to search for her killers. Time now for the tale of the Wolf's Egg Castle's woman in white. A funeral was held, and as was custom in Central Europe at the time, Clara was dressed in her finest clothes, which were all white. She was wrapped in a white shroud and lowered into the ground. As the dirt covered her face, Ulrich savored what he thought would be the last glimpse of his cheating wife. He was glad that she was dead. But although her body would remain in the ground, she would see Ulrich again. In the days and weeks that followed, people started to see someone or something moving around the castle. Sometimes they just see a a white flash out of the corner of their eyes. Other times, particularly at night, they would see the figure of a woman, dressed all in white, walking just outside the castle. The woman always looked angry or annoyed as though she had been locked out and was waiting for someone to let her back in. And, legend has it, whenever she appeared, death often followed. A few days after the white lady first appeared, Ulrich left for another military campaign. His army would later report that he was with them the entire time. 
until just before they arrived back at his castle, something caught his eye and he rode out into the woods. It was assumed he saw a stag or some other creature and pursued it. Ulrich was fond of hunting, and that's what his men assumed he'd taken off to do. But then, he was never seen by anyone ever again. What? Did he see Clara? Did she lure him into the woods? Did she lure him to his death? Ulrich's sons, those sons he'd had with the wife he'd had before Clara, those all-important heirs, disappeared a few months after their father did. What? Several people at the castle reported seeing the white lady again, with a slight smile on her face. And then a few days later, Ulrich's two sons vanished. Did the white lady take them too? Was she so angry that she wanted to kill not only her former husband, but also his young sons? The white lady would continue to be seen after the disappearance of these boys, but less frequently. Sometimes a century or more would go in between sightings. Disappearances frequently followed the sightings. In 1960, the white lady appeared to Mr. and Mrs. Pilmer, who lived in the castle as caretakers. Mrs. Pilmer recounted, Suddenly a blurred white figure appeared in the branches of the nut tree. In my excitement, I fetched my husband out of bed. He could also observe all of this. Again and again, the light appeared in the courtyard, and then it disappeared behind the wall. Mr. and Mrs. Pilmer did not disappear after this sighting. Did someone else vanish instead? In 1968, Hans Holzer, a parapsychologist from New York, visited the castle with his medium, Edith Rydell, from Vienna. She told him that the room where Claire was murdered had an evil energy in it. Standing in the middle of that room, she said, A murder happened here. I see men in medieval clothing. Near the window, a young woman is sitting. She hears footsteps. She begins to pace. She considers climbing out of the window, but is fearful of breaking her neck. She hears the lock turn and cowers against the wall. The two men smell of earth and food. One rips her from the wall and stabs her in her chest. Was this evil energy either sense coming from Clara's murder or from centuries of Clara's spectral rage that followed? Recently, investigators found some interesting remains that might belong to one of the possible victims of that rage in a cave near the entrance of Wolf's Egg's castle. Below the entrance of the castle lies a deep stalactite cave that falls over 500 yards down into the earth. Called The Hole by locals, the cave descends slowly at first, then drops off sharply after just a couple of feet. For centuries, locals avoided this cave, believing it was cursed or haunted, or at least infested by some sort of terrible beast. Many claim to hear strange sounds at night, a type of crying or wailing coming from the cave's entrance. They couldn't figure out what kind of creature could make those sounds. It wasn't some animal they knew of, and it didn't sound entirely human either. Some theorized that the cave was being used as a burrow for some sort of monstrous, mythical beast. The cave's entrance was thought to be too far too steep for any animal to scale, and it was assumed that this particular entrance was just a vent, and that the actual, much more accessible entrance was elsewhere. But when a team of scientists recently sent down some cameras into this hole, they realized there was no other entrance. Instead of branching off into different tunnels, the cave just continued further downward into a pit that no human could possibly ever escape from. When the investigators explored the cave's bottom, they found the skull of a child. (gasps) Is this the skull of one of Ulrich's sons? Did the white lady lure him into this pit? Did she lure his brother and father into the pit as well? Will more skulls, possibly many more, soon also be discovered? Is this where the white lady ultimately took her revenge? And since she still appears from time to time, is she still seeking more? Will someone else disappear the next time she appears? Yeek. I don't like when people disappear. Yeah, when they just vanish? Vanish. No explanation. Mm -hmm. Remember that kid? 
Mm-hmm. In, in Minnesota? Yep, yep. I believe it was Minnesota. Yeah, Brandon, I believe his name was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've gotten a lot of emails about him. People yeah. who lived in that area. So it just freaks me out. Like, have disappearances been happening for so long? Oh, yeah. I mean, that is a... Don't say that. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. They happen all the time. No big whoops. I mean, I think it's so... Kill you. I th- it's so sad, but I think about when I was, when I was a kid, since I'm very old, uh, on the back of milk cartons. I You know, people say... <sighs> it's it's yes. so sad, but it's like, you know... And I've, on Time Suck, on that podcast, I've done so many disappear, like mysterious disappearance type episodes where, you know, it's assumed, obviously, that people were murdered. Yeah. But, but the sad thing is, you know, a lot of times, like, remains are just never, ever found. And we just don't know. Nobody knows for sure what happens to everybody. Do you know what the saddest disappearance is to me? What? Carol Baskin's husband. Oh, my God. I'm a Tiger King. Jesus Christ. <laughs> You're oh, jeez. I saw a look and I was like, where is she going? Where is she this? going? Where is she going? I do remember, though, the milk carton things. Because then wasn't yeah. there a movie or something called like the milk, car- the face on the milk carton? Mm, there was a know. there was a book or a movie for sure. That's I am so younger than you. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I don't even know that it was a true story so much. It was just like that was such a thing. Yeah. I wonder why they stopped doing it. Did it freak kids out so much? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea. I, I, I never thought about that. Yeah, why did they stop? Because, I mean, I don't know. I would think that people just like people were before. I mean, I get why you would do it in the first place mm-hmm. because the milk is on the table. Everybody's, it reminds me almost of like the back of the shampoo bottle when people like, people would read the shampoo bottles just because they're bored. You know, <laughs> well, like, they do. yeah, this, this, I guess this was more before people were always on their phones. You know what? That's why. I bet that's why. Because uh, people would be like, going, to, there was like a joke, I don't know, tons of comics to talk about, but just like, People in the bathroom, going to the bathroom, in the days before phones, they forgot to bring in a magazine, and they oh, ended up just reading the shampoo I see, bottle. I see, Because there's nothing else to read. I was trying to figure out when I was I was at the dinner table with the shampoo bottle on the table oh, instead of no. milk. I was like, what? But I bet that's why they got rid of them from the back of the uh, milk cartons, because oh, now probably? people are not reading the milk carton or the cereal box because they're bored. They're mm-hmm. looking at their phones. And yet, in Canada... And other places, they still put pictures of disgusting, oh, on infested lungs yeah. on cigarettes. So, yeah. I don't know if your theory is correct. I think I think it is, but that's different. The cigarettes is different than the because that's you're not. You just have to see it every time you're grabbing a cigarette. They just want you to see like a, a yeah, diseased well, you, lung. You would have to see. You still pour a glass of milk. Your phone doesn't miraculously do that for you. Mm, yeah, it does. Mine does. I don't know what kind of phone you got. <laughs> <laughs> my phone pours my milk it, it uh, rinses me off in the shower nice mm-hmm. nice you got a good phone man mm-hmm. I do yeah. I don't know what kind of janky ass flip phone you got Motorola <laughs> okay I got a couple pictures before we move on to the next story uh, I, I don't like the disappearances but yeah. I think she was if she did it mm-hmm. I say good for her were the kids come he, on well kids are always like a little huh, nah, sorry right. about that the guy maybe Pe- but, but he deserved it why did he have her killed why did he have to do that I get it he was upset he was embarrassed because back in the good old days, dudes could just, you know, have their wives killed and no one would even bat an eye. It's back in the time that, you know, I wish I, wish I lived in. Anyway, really? Really? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, first okay. one. <laughs> this, is, this is Wolf's Egg's Castle. Bur- I don't, I don't AKA like its Berg, name also. Wolf's Egg. I know, Wolf, Wolf's Egg. Wolf's Egg? Yeah, like, what is that? Wolves don't even have eggs. I know, I thought I wrote it down wrong and I kept having to double check and I'm like, nope. I, know, I kept thinking, I was like, did he fuck that up? Mm. This is from mm. an Airbnb thing to do. I mean, it is a cool little... Wait, it, this is from a... You can Airbnb this picture, the... No, but you can oh. Airbnb near there and then it was like things to do in the area. That's what the oh, picture yeah, comes Airbnb from. Oh yeah, Airbnb experiences. Tell oh, me about wish. it. I had to cancel yeah. a bunch of them. Uh, uh, this next one is a picture of Reagan nearby uh, uh-huh. city so oh, pretty so pretty so that's the little landscape and then this germany next one is, is so great oh i want to go have so you been bad. to germany no 
One of my favorites. I want to go so bad. And then this, so good. this next one is like the little near the downtown you know, square. So cute. So cute. So, so cute. And then I one more. I am like 99.9% .9 sure I've been to this place. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, it's really scenic town. And then this is, I tried finding the lady in white. I don't, I'm not sure if that's her, but the, she popped up. So that's like a, I, I, I Googled. You really, do you really love her pretty eyes? Yeah. I Googled Bavarian woman in a white dress and yeah. she just seemed like a nice lady. She she seems lovely. She seems super, super friendly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. She seems really generous. She seems, she does. You know, she seems like she gives a lot of things. She gives. She's she a giver. Gives. She's a giver, not a taker. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, are you ready for the one I'm so excited for? No, I, I know. I was like that whole time. I'm like, uh, don't like this warm up because I know something else is coming after it. Yeah. Ooh, I want to tell this right. I want to do this justice. Ooh. Okay, so I'll I'll try to be really good about <sighs> my my reactions. I'll try and okay, okay, no, you rate yeah. them in because if you're so into it, I don't want to take you out of it. Okay. What is the most basic gift you have ever given the moms in your life for Mother's Day? Flowers, a candle, some random knickknack you picked up at the last minute because you completely spaced Mother's Day? I have definitely made the mistake of procrastinating gifts for Mother's Day, and then, like the Friday before, I run to whatever store is open and convince myself that, yes, yes, my mom does need another coffee mug that declares she's the world's <laughs> best. So lame. This year, how about one-upping yourself by giving the moms in your life an Aura picture frame? Named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to any mom at any age. Aura Frames connect easily to Wi-Fi and have unlimited storage so you can share as many pictures as you want. This year, as many of you know, I am on a spending freeze, but one of my carve-outs was meaningful gifts for the people I love. I don't want to give all of the moms in our lives something that won't bring them joy. We are giving Aura Frames to the moms in our world because they are timeless, heartwarming gifts. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code SCARED at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are the things that weigh you down on a day-to-day -day basis? What kind of stress are you holding on to? Do you spend much of your day going over things in your brain over and over until they are so distracting it affects your mental health? Well, don't worry. You're not alone. We all carry different stressors, some big, some small. When we keep things bottled up, the results can be negative. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest without fear or judgment. It's a place to work through what is heavy on your mind and heart so that you can feel lighter and happier. I'm always holding on to something. It's the way my anxious brain works. I'm continually worried that I've done something wrong, that I've hurt the feelings of someone I love, and that I have let someone down. I'm stressed that I'm not being a good enough mom or wife. I panic that our life will implode at any given moment and it'll all be my fault. Thankfully, I have an amazing therapist who helps me talk through each of these scenarios. After each and every appointment, I feel lighter, happier, and more capable of showing up as my most authentic self. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash scared to death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash scared to death. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking, and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors Never Frozen, Always Fresh Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. 
I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. Head to factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 and use code scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code scared to death 50 at factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay. Okay. This is a Japanese urban legend. Not much setup with this one. Um, we'll get into it pretty quickly. Going to tell this one in the first person. I just want to say that even though okay. obviously this has not happened to me, I just like telling it that way for variety. Um, I feel like it fits the story better. So, so pretend I'm someone else, you know, maybe someone who teases you less, way more into crystals, six pack abs. Uh, but seriously, pretend I'm someone you don't know very well. Okay. I will imagine that you are my hot six pack ab hippie lover. Awesome. Got it. But also pretend that I'm someone who could be you telling you a very creepy story. You're glad that, you know, it isn't your story. Okay. Okay. You ready? Uh, I guess. Time now for the tale of the eight feet tall woman. As a child, I only saw my grandparents during the summer. They lived in a different country, and every year my parents would take me to visit their small village, which was surrounded by open fields and farmland. After about a week together, my parents left to have some time by themselves, and I was left with my grandma and grandpa for the following week. I always looked forward to that week because my grandparents would spoil me, giving me extra helpings of dessert and buy me presents from the nearest town, which was a few miles away. Grandpa would let me ride on the back of his motorcycle, which my parents had forbidden, and I could stay up late watching movies and fall asleep on their old, comfortable couch. My grandparents laid down every afternoon for a short nap, leaving me to play by myself. I didn't mind, I loved it. The countryside where they lived was safe, and I was allowed to wander as far as I wanted. But mostly I stuck to the backyard, uh, nervous as a city kid to venture any further. One day, as my grandparents slept, when I was playing in the backyard with some toys, enjoying the feeling of the breeze on my face, enjoying the shade provided by the leafy trees overhead, I started to hear a strange sound. Pull, 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 over and over again. Pull, pull, pull. I couldn't tell what it was or where it was coming from. It sounded like a person talking, calling out. But what were they calling out for? I didn't know anyone named Poe. It was a deep, masculine voice. I looked around, searching for the source of the noise, when I noticed something beyond the tall hedges that enclosed the backyard. It was a straw hat, bobbing as though the person wearing it was walking along the perimeter of the backyard. I realized this was where the sound was coming from. Poe. 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 Then the hat stopped at a small gap in the hedge, and a face peered through. It was a strange-looking woman with long, dark hair. I was shocked to see where she was looking at me from. She was leaning over to peer through a gap at the top of the hedge, and the hedges were so high, around eight feet tall. Was she wearing stilts? She was moving so she couldn't be on a ladder. And then she ran off, and the strange sound she was making disappeared with her, fading into the distance. I got up and walked back into the house, leaving my toys lying in the dirt. There had to be an explanation for this, I thought. Maybe my grandparents had a neighbor they didn't mention. 
A few minutes later, my grandparents got up from their nap and began to make tea. I sat down at the kitchen table, and trying not to sound like a scared little kid, I told my grandparents about the strange woman. They brushed it off until I told them about the strange sound. Pull. 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 As soon as I said that, my grandparents froze. My grandma almost dropped the mug of tea she was holding. The tea sloshed inside the cup and spilled on the floor. My grandpa grabbed me by the arm. He looked afraid. This is important, he said. His eyes were dark and concerned. It scared me. I had never seen him look so serious. You must tell us exactly how tall she was. As tall as the hedges outside, I said. My hands started to shake. My grandpa was almost shouting now. Where was she standing? Oh my God. When did this happen? What did you do? Did she see you? I tried to answer all his questions behind the hedge a few minutes ago. I, I didn't know anything. Yes, she saw me. Grandpa rushed to the hallway and I heard him make a phone call, but couldn't hear exactly what he was saying. Beside me, Grandma was trembling. When Grandpa came back to the kitchen, he addressed her. I have to go out for a while. Stay here with the boy. Don't take your eyes off him for a second. What's going on, Grandpa? I asked. He looked at me with despair in his eyes and said, She likes you. Oh my God. You've been chosen by her. <sighs> with that, he hurried out, got on his motorcycle and drove off. Who is she, Grandma? What's going on, I asked. Don't worry, she replied in a shaky voice. Grandpa will do something. There's no need to worry. We sat in the kitchen waiting for Grandpa to return. Grandma locked all the doors and shut the windows before sitting back down and pouring another cup of tea. After a long silence, she told me, There's something haunting this place. We call her eight feet tall because she can appear differently, in a long traditional dress or in a white funeral shroud. But the one thing that never changes is her height and the sound she makes. Uh. A long time ago, she was captured by monks, and they managed to confine her inside a ruined building on the outskirts of town. They used four small religious icons placed at the north, south, east, and west to contain her. Grandma looked at me. Her eyes were full of tears. Someone must have disturbed the statues, or she got something stronger than her to help her break out, because somehow she's escaped. The last time it appeared was 15 years ago. Clearing her throat, she added, <clears throat> Anyone who sees her dies within a few days. <gasps> After a few hours, Grandpa returned with a woman who introduced herself as Kay. She handed me a small piece of crumpled paper and said, Take this and hold it, but don't look at it. She and Grandpa and Grandma then went upstairs, and I was left in the kitchen until they returned and brought me into my bedroom. The windows were now covered in newspaper. Lots of ancient symbols had been written on them. There were small bowls of salt in every corner of the room, and in the middle of the room there was a blue bucket. What's the bucket for, I asked. Grandpa lowered his voice. That's your bathroom. Kay sat me down in the bed and explained, Soon the sun will set, so you must listen carefully. You must stay in this room until tomorrow morning. You must not come out under any circumstances until sunrise. Your grandparents will not speak to you until then. Remember, do not leave this room under any circumstances. What the fuck? She's right, Grandpa said. You have to follow everything she says and make sure never to let go of the paper she gave you. At the end of this, if you follow all our instructions, you'll be fine. They hugged me goodbye, closed the bedroom door, and locked it. Are you fucking kidding me? I sat on my bed and tried to watch TV, but I felt sick to my stomach. Grandma had left some snacks for me, but I couldn't eat them. Every time I did, I felt nauseous, and I didn't want to throw up in the blue bucket and have to smell it until sunrise. I lay down on my bed, all the events of the day overcoming me, and I fell asleep. When I woke up, the clock showed that it was just after one in the morning. Oh no. All of a sudden, I realized something was tapping on the window. Oh god, oh god, oh god. The blood drained from my face. I tried to tell myself it was just the wind or the branches of the tree or the old house settling down for the night. I turned on the TV to drown out the sound of the tapping. Eventually, it stopped. I was safe, I thought. As if on cue, I heard Grandpa calling me. 
Are you okay in there? He asked. If you're scared, you don't have to stay in there alone. <gasps> I can come in and keep you company. No, 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 no. I sighed with relief and rushed over to the door, but something made me stop in my tracks. I had goosebumps all over my body, even though on the surface I felt relieved. Grandpa's voice sounded like Grandpa, but something was wrong. What's the holdup? Grandpa asked. You can open the door now. No, 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 no. I glanced at the corner of the room and a chill went down my spine. The salt in the bowls was starting to turn black. I backed away from the door. I was shaking and a piece of paper almost slipped from my sweaty hand. So I fell to my knees and started pleading, pleading for my parents to save me, for God to save me, for anything to help me avoid certain death. I heard a voice outside the door now saying, pull, pull, fuck, pull, pull. The tapping on the window started up again. I could see an enormous shadow through the newspapers, crouching as though ready to leap through the glass. I crunched under the bed, crying and praying for the rest of the night. Eventually, it was morning. <sighs> the salt in all four bowls was pitch black. My watch read 7.30 a.m. I opened the door cautiously, but to my relief, Grandma and Kay were standing outside. Grandma bur burst into tears. I'm so glad you're still alive, she said. I went downstairs, and to my surprise, my parents were sitting at the kitchen table. Mom, Dad, I rushed into their arms, happy to see them. But Grandpa came in a moment later and said, there's no time for that. We have to get going. In the driveway, there was a large black van. Several neighbors were standing around it. And when they saw me, they started muttering. That's the boy, one said. I was told to sit in the middle of the van, surrounded on all sides by my grandparents and neighbors. The man on my left said, you're in trouble. Keep your head down and your eyes shut. We can't see it, but you can. Don't open your eyes until we've got you safely out of here. What the fuck? Grandpa drove his motorcycle in front. My dad's car followed behind. When we got going, we weren't going very fast because the road was rough and bumpy. I heard Kay say next to me, this is where it gets hard. Oh, fuck. Oh, she fuck. started to mutter a prayer. That's when I heard the voice. Pull, 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 pull. I kept my head down, but peeked through the window. I saw a white dress fluttering in the breeze, running alongside the van. Suddenly, she bent down and peered into the van. No, no. no, I gasped. The man behind me shouted, close your eyes. I shut my eyes as hard as I could. To my relief, I was still holding the piece of paper Kay had given me. It had almost disintegrated, but I held it like a lifeline. The tapping began. Tap, 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 tap. The voice grew louder. Pull, 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 pull. There was tapping on the windows all around as though she had many hands. The neighbors couldn't see her or hear her voice, but they could hear the tapping on the windows. Kay prayed louder and louder until she was almost shouting. My head felt like it was filled with noise and pressure, but I still didn't open my eyes. After a while, I couldn't tell how long the tapping finally disappeared. Oh my God, sweet baby Jesus. Kay was the first to speak. I think we're safe now. Everyone breathed a sigh of relief. The van pulled over. I was told to get into my parents' car. My mom held me close in a grip so tight it was hard to breathe, but I didn't want her to let me go. The van sped off, leaving me, my parents, my grandparents, and Kay. Show me the paper, Kay said. I opened my hand. It had turned completely black. We drove straight to the airport, and Grandma, Grandpa, and Kay hugged me and my parents before security. When the plane took off, far from being nervous, as I usually was on flights, I was relieved. My dad told me about a friend of his years ago who had been chosen by the eight-foot-tall woman. The friend disappeared and was never seen again. There were other people, not just children, that the woman had chosen. They all had to leave their home country and settle abroad if they wanted to live. They could never return home. We landed in our city's airport, returned home, tried to forget about it. All this happened more than ten years ago. I haven't seen my grandparents since, because I haven't been able to go back to their country. I call them every week on the phone, trying to be as close to them in any way as I can. My grandpa died two years ago. When he was sick, he wouldn't allow me to visit and left strict instructions in his will that I was not to attend his funeral. Oh my God. It was very sad, but I understood. 
My grandma called a few days ago. She told me she'd been diagnosed with cancer. She missed me terribly, wanted to see me one last time before she died. Are you sure, Grandma? I asked. Is it safe? It's been 10 years, she said. All that happened a long time ago. It's forgotten. You're grown up now. But what about the eight-foot-tall woman? For a moment, there was silence on the other end of the phone. And then I heard, pull, 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 pull. The end. Fuck off. How creepy is that story? That's fucking terrible. I have chills everywhere. Yeah, I love that story. Of course you do, you fucking weirdo. Yeek! That was the ultimate GTFO. <laughs> it was so hard to hold it in. <laughs> ah, I just, uh, like, I mean, yeah, those urban legends, a lot of times I'm just like, oh, okay, they're kind of bare bones. But the no, way this one good. laid out, I was like, oh, I can just picture. That one just made me think, like, if I was a kid. Yeah. And I'm camping with some buddies. Yeah. And somebody told that story, I'd be like, oh, yeah, whatever. And then I would lay in my sleeping bag and be freaked the fuck out. Every sound you hear, you'd be like, was that a Poe? Oh, my God. Totally. Was that a? Yes, tapping. Ah, I, I got chills telling it again. Oh, man. Yowzers. Okay, got a few pictures. So this is like artwork that's associated with the legend. This first one is, okay. uh, you know, uh, there's like depictions like this. You know, just creepy, sure. dark hair. Reminds, I, I love Japanese horror. Reminds me of like the ring and the grudge. That kind of look of just like hair covering the face. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're curious what's behind it. And mm -hmm. then when its head pops up, you're like, fuck, I wish I didn't see that. Yep. Yeah. And this randomly sent me into a wormhole. This next picture is Sandra Elaine Allen. Okay. One of the tallest women in world's history. Oh, okay. Seven, seven. Like oh, all, wow. almost literally an eight foot tall woman. Uh, she died in 2008 at 53 years old. And then Yao Defen is this next picture. Uh, a Chinese woman who died at the age of 40, officially so measured at seven, seven. Yeah, she died in 2012. Yeah, and also they, seven, seven. Is that giantism? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, it's like a... Basically, a pituitary gland uh, disorder where your where your body keeps kicking out the hormones that yeah. make you want to grow. It just it just never stops. And do they die of the the yeah. height? The problems yeah, associated but, uh, with the height associated with absolutely. What makes him die? I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I can't speak to that intelligently. It's like being but it's tall. like organs and everything. Everything it just is is constantly growing more than it's you know it's supposed to. Oh, and it's not just your height. They usually get like kind of decrepit. Like in their later years, they're crippled. You know, eventually they can't walk and things. Sounds terrible. Mm -hmm. And uh, now this this is the last. Now this last lady is the tallest lady I was able to find. I don't know her name. She's got to be 40, 50 feet tall. Got to be. See, you can see her, you know, putting her foot on that little tiny lady below. Mm -hmm. Definitely not photoshopped. No, she's huge. Yeah, yeah. And she looked, yeah. she looked pretty normal proportion wise for like. Yeah, she's she, pretty she, hot. Yeah, 40, 50, 60 feet tall maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's all. Weird that she had a tiny, tiny lady friend. I know. She got like a tiny. I think the lady friend's normal size. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> ah. I don't want anybody to tap on anything for at least a week. Oh my god! Like it, like what? It, I was just thinking. Um, our, be our bedroom window tonight. Oh my god! Pull, 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 pull. The that the tapping is somehow creepier to me than the uh, the pull. Let pull. me in. Let me in. She yeah, didn't say that. I know, but that's the that's the what she wanted. Yeah, she didn't say that. I think that my biggest problem would be like, uh, I'm going to do some social distancing coffee with some girlfriends this week. Oh, yeah. And if I was just like on the phone or something before they got there and I had like a mm -mm -mm. just just anything, any tapping over the next week, I am going to lose my shit. Yep. Don't. I know. I, I won't. I won't. You're too fragile right now. I, I am I, so fragile. I know. I, I don't even want to scare you because I, I don't have to deal with the aftermath. I'm melty, as we call it in our house, mm -hmm. which is like. I'm going to have a meltdown. I yep. feel very melty. I could cry at any minute, mm, yeah. any moment. I've been good. I've been good. I haven't been scaring you at home or nothing. Or nothing. 
Well, I am going to scare the bejeebas out of you. Good. This, this. Bejeebas, is that, is, is bejeebas related to bejesus? Bejeebas? Huh? Maybe. It's like bejesus' cousin? Well, bejesus might be related to Jesus. This is, this is the. <laughs> this is like distant, distant relative. Well, this it's is like the a fourth cousin twice version removed. of oh. bejesus. This okay. is bejeebas. Bejeebas. Yeah. Okay. You get it. I get it. You get it. We have bejesus for the believers and bejeeba mm-hmm. for the non-believers. Old bejeeba. Old bejeebadeeba. Okay, so. I'm just telling you, I was reading this story and was like so many times uh, confused, mm-hmm. taken out of the story just in the sense that my brain was going other places like, oh, oh my boy. God, maybe this, maybe that. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. And and whew, I I think that this is going to get you. I'm excited. I'm excited. Give me, give me. You got your squishy? I got my squishy. Are you ready? I'm so ready. It is so fucking good. And it's long. So like stay in for the long haul. Okay. okay? okay. Let's not lose track. Okay. So for sure, the most terrifying story to date, this email begins. What's up, Dan and Lindsay? My name is Tom. My sister and I are huge fans of Scared to Death. Yes. And I'm also a giant fan of Time Suck. Yes. Thank you. I'm writing to you guys hoping to share an incredibly bizarre and horrifying experience. My sister brother-in-law and I went through together. So three accounts of this, yeah. okay? Okay, sister, brother-in-law and himself. So okay. like yep. you mm-hmm. and Donna and Jared, Got right? It. Like yeah. would okay. be the equivalent, mm-hmm. okay? And I want you to picture that as this happens because it will help so much. Okay. This story covers a period of about two weeks, <clears throat> excuse me, in 2007. In fact, this March marks the 13th anniversary of these events, which kind okay. of freaks me out even mm-hmm. like, Oh, God, 13 and so like all the things. Just over 13 years. Mm-hmm. My brother and sister-in-law have given me their blessing to tell you our story as we went through a portion of these events together. We've talked and talked together and decided that if our story is going to be told to anyone other than family or anyone than, but than my brother and sister-in-law or myself, why not have it told on our absolute favorite horror podcast? Yes. So thank you. I apologize if you find the story to be quite lengthy, but I want to make sure I tell it accurately and respectfully. I'm not really sure how to preface this insanely fucked up tale, so let's just dive right in. And it is so fucked up. My sister and I grew up in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and are only about a year and a half apart. She's, she's older than I, and we were always very close. Our father left early on in our lives, and my mom always did the absolute best she could to give us everything we wanted. It created an awesome, loving environment for my sister and I. While we may have had trouble financially growing up, we never had problems being loved or supported by our family. In high school, I played a variety of sports and became very good friends with a guy who would later become, in life, my brother-in-law. Out of respect for my sister and brother-in-law, I'll use fake names, Karen and Paul. Okay. Okay? Karen and Paul married in 2005, and by 2007, they had moved about 20 minutes south outside of the town of Seabrook, so Paul could be closer to work as he worked over the state border in Massachusetts. Such a pretty area. So beautiful. Mm. They moved in March to a three-story home for, you guessed it, an incredible steal. The house was located back in the woods and was away from the row of houses that sat along the main street. They purchased the house for only $15,000. What? The house itself was beautiful. A gate separated the front portion of the house from the back of the house and its spacious backyard. A large open living area for entertaining guests was adjacent to the space, spacious kitchen. You had to go out through the kitchen door and through a sunroom to reach another door that led to the basement. The basement itself was unfinished and largely just a dirt, ground, and stone. 
Upstairs was the master bedroom and bathroom with two additional smaller bedrooms and a third small bedroom on the main floor. Helping Paul and my sister move in went great. I even helped Paul install a few security cameras around the property as they both weren't used to living so far back into the woods. The house felt warm and inviting. It felt like home. However, it would not feel that way for long. At first, things were great. We'd have parties on the weekends and then they would invite friends and family over. And about two months in, but about two months in, visits became less and less frequent and Paul and Karen stopped inviting people over. I wasn't sure what was going on, but knew something was wrong as Paul and Karen were the two most outgoing people I'd ever known. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like them to withdraw and to become so introverted. I tried to reach out to my sister a few times through texts or phone calls, but would usually get her voicemail or just flat out ignored in general. I became extremely concerned for my sister and Paul. I wasn't sure if they were having issues in their marriage, Mm -hmm. so I decided to go over and visit my sister, who at the time was pregnant with my nephew, and I went while Paul was at work. Okay. When I arrived, I almost became sick at the rotting smell emanating from underneath the front porch. I tried peering through the fencing to see if there were any animal carcasses or source of this horrific odor. I couldn't see anything. It was pitch black underneath the house. I had to knock a few times to get my sister to answer, and when she did, I was shocked to see the state she was in. I could see terror and desperation plastered on her face. There was This was not my fun, loving, outgoing sister. The look on her face was a mixture of, you have to get the fuck out of here, mm-hmm. and also, please don't leave me alone. I barged my way in after a few moments of uncomfortable silence. What the hell is going on? I asked my sister, and she immediately broke into tears. It's the house. It's the house. It's just not right. What do you mean? I asked. And then she went into detail about all of her creepy, crazy shit that had been happening. Initially, things started out small. Flickering lights, doors creeping open or shutting on their own, that type of stuff. Then one night, about a week after the initial sign... Things got intense. My sister told me that one night, Paul was at work late, and while she was lying in bed, she heard a car pull into the driveway. She heard the sound of a car door opening and closing, and then the beep-beep of Uh the lock on a key fob. My sister went downstairs to meet Paul, but all the lights on the main floor were completely out. None of them would even turn on. My sister walked out to the living area, peered through the window at the driveway. Paul's car was nowhere to be seen. My sister, feeling uneasy, went back to her bedroom to grab her phone to call Paul. When she returned to the bedroom, the door to the master bathroom was opened wide and the lights were on. They were off when she had gone downstairs. She looked around the bathroom and discovered a large scratch on the back of the toilet room door that she hadn't noticed when they walked through the house. After she was satisfied that there was nothing there, my sister went back to bed and fell asleep. When she woke the next morning, she said she rolled over to hug Paul but he was still not there. Mm -hmm. She went downstairs to discover the front door wide open and Paul sitting in the yard underneath the tree of one of the large pine trees. She asked him what he was doing there and he just sat there silent. What? Sitting almost hiding under the cover of the hanging pines, she asked him how long he'd been sitting there as he was still in his work clothes from the day before. She said that his response chilled her to the bone. You'll never see it coming. What? He said. Then almost immediately, it was as if Paul snapped out of a trance. She'd never seen Paul scared, but he looked absolutely terrified. They decided to get out of the house for the day and run some errands. They didn't get back until late, and when they did, all of the lights in the house were on. And both Paul and Karen said they could see 
handprints on the glass windows of the sunroom. When they went in, it looked like a tornado had torn through the room. Blankets strewn all over the floor, clothes ripped out of dressers, and a knife laid next to the bed with a number of stab marks in the mattress. Their first thought was a break-in. My sister said she immediately went to grab her phone and call 911 until she was stopped by Paul, his voice trembling. This wasn't a break-in, honey, he said. And they both realized that all the doors were locked. There had been absolutely no sign of anyone breaking in. All the locks were intact and none of the windows had been broken. They got out of the house for the night and stayed at a hotel. Paul went back the next morning to grab some clothes and essentials. Time passed and passed and passed until my sister said Paul had been gone for over 10 hours. My sister tried calling and texting multiple times, but every time she called, it would ring twice and then Paul would seemingly send her to voicemail. Karen decided to go back to the house and found Paul, once again, sitting underneath the pine tree. She coaxed Paul out of his trance and said they went back inside to gather additional belongings and it was as if the events of the day before had never happened. The room appeared spotless, pristine. My sister logged into the security app connected to her cameras and was shocked to see that Paul had continuously gone in and out of the house over those 10 hours, seemingly in a trance. Paul had no recollection of even driving over to the house. They were both extremely frightened and wanted to move. But being a young married couple, they had sunk almost their entire savings into buying the house. I arrived about a week after this final incident. My sister was convinced that there was something supernatural in their home, and it was specifically targeting Paul. Paul was unsure about what to make of the entire situation. He said that he would begin to feel overheated and dizzy, and then it was like he lost chunks of time. Paul offered up the theory that perhaps something was wrong with his health, but he wasn't sure why this was happening. My sister said that Paul had a doctor's appointment for that Friday, which was only two days away at this point, and so I stayed for about an hour before I had to leave to get ready for work as I was tending bar at the time. Mm -hmm. I told her to let me know how Paul's appointment went, and she said she would. I spent the next two nights worrying about my sister and Paul. I kept my phone right by my side on Friday while I waited for her call. She called me at 3 p.m. on Friday and told me that Paul's doctor had given him a physical examination and he appeared to be in perfect health. Okay. They took some blood for additional testing and were told they would have to wait a week or so for the results. Little did they know it was going to be a long fucking weekend. My sister woke up on Saturday morning morning to find Paul standing at the edge of her bed just watching her. When she spoke to him, he did not reply. She kept yelling his name over and over and with an emptiness in his eyes all he said was soon it is coming very soon Jesus Christ and just walked out of the room when my sister went downstairs Paul had made her breakfast and said a romantic bouquet of flowers on the table my sister feeling perplexed asked him how long he had been up and his answer scared the fucking shit out of her I've been down here for the last few hours cooking your breakfast My sister asked him if he remembered coming upstairs, but he said he never came back up. My sister wasn't sure if it was another one of Paul's trances, so she decided to let it slide, not wanting to worry Paul further. Mm -hmm. The rest of the day went on without a hitch, and they spent most of the day cleaning and even tried to play some board games in the evening to lighten the mood and their spirits. When Karen and Paul crawled into bed that night, any enlightening that had happened was completely ripped away. My sister said she woke up and could feel a freezing pressure pushing straight down on her chest from the ceiling of her bedroom. She tried to wake Paul, but she said the pressure was strong and she could barely speak nor move. Eventually, the pressure lifted, but the bitter cold remained. 
Once she could speak, she woke Paul up and they both were terrified to feel another presence in the house with them. My sister said she felt relieved in a sense because Paul usually would be in a trance-like state whenever these things happened. Mm -hmm. They both said they could hear tapping downstairs, almost like someone knocking on a window. Uh. Both of them went down to investigate and what they saw utterly horrified them. They entered the living room and could see lights flickering on and off all around the walls in the kitchen. They crept silently towards the kitchen, Paul leading with my sister pressed tightly behind him. They both did nothing but stand and look through the window of their kitchen door into the dark sunroom where they watched the silhouette of what looked like a tiny person dance around in a jerky, inhuman movement. Then, as if they were aware they were watching it, it began pounding on the glass windows of the sunroom, shattering two of the windows and screeching violently. They both ran out the other side of the house and into the front yard where they noticed their bedroom light had been turned on. They didn't turn it on when they left the room. How had this happened? They just decided to run back in, grab the keys, and drive around until sunrise, not knowing what to do. Sunday morning, I got a call from Paul, inviting me to stay with them for a few days. The rational part of my brain said, no way in hell. (laughs) However, I knew I absolutely had to go and be there for my sister. I got there Sunday afternoon, and the first night went great. We watched movies, got Chinese food delivered. It was my sister's favorite. We lightened the mood. We tried staying up as late as, as we could, and Paul and my sister took off, for, took off work that Monday. Mm. Paul and I stayed up late talking about sports and just anything to keep our minds occupied when my sister slept peacefully for the first time in ages on the couch. It would be the only peaceful night the three of us had together. I ended up getting called into work on Monday evening, so I wasn't there for a large portion of the night. However, when I arrived back at the house at approximately 2 in the morning, I was perplexed to find the front door standing wide open, like wide fucking open. Paul and Karen had always, always, always locked their doors. Not that they lived in a bad area, it was just their own personal comfort. Immediately unsettled, I grabbed a knife out of the drawer in the kitchen and took a look around the house. I don't usually scare easily, but I knew there was no way my sister had left that door open. I went and knocked on Paul and Karen's door and received no answer. I peeked in the room to make sure they were all right and both of them were sound asleep. I continued to search the rest of the top floor, finding it empty. I made my way back downstairs and noticed something I hadn't before. As I peered through the sunroom, I could see the basement door was open with the light from the bottom of the basement dimly illuminating the doorway. As I crept through the sunroom, I noticed that the carpet was wet and heavy. Every step I took could feel, I could feel some sort of foul-smelling liquid seep out of the carpet. Then I heard the sound of eerie, childlike music coming from the basement. I stood by the doorway for what felt like 20 minutes, and then after mustering up some courage, I slowly crept down the first few steps, and it was as if every step I took was causing someone or something immense pain horrible wails and screams echoed and bounced off the barren concrete basement walls i could see a small humanoid looking shadow writhing and darting around and then suddenly everything went black i busted ass back up those stairs and locked the basement door i went straight to the guest room locked the door barricaded myself under my imaginary impenetrable blanket fort and laid awake for the remaining hours before sunrise That morning, my sister could tell I had had an experience that was only a sliver of what they had been going through. A few hours later, Paul received a call from work saying he needed to go on a work trip to Michigan for a few days and that he would need to be on the road by morning. 
The rest of that particular day went off without a hitch, although I could tell my sister was uneasy about Paul leaving. I assured her that I would be there to keep her company the whole time. That morning, we all woke up early to see Paul off. My sister was upset that Paul was leaving and was even more panicked when she couldn't find her phone that she had only laid on the kitchen counter no more than 15 minutes before. She was looking for her phone to add the business cell phone number Paul would be using primarily while he was in Michigan. Mm -hmm. My sister and I were surprised to see Paul pull back into the driveway only a few hours after he had left, coming with flowers and chocolates for my sister. He told her that with everything going on, there was no way he felt comfortable leaving me there leaving her there with me, and I totally mm-hmm. understood that. The rest of the day was great, actually. We went for a walk in the local park, and Paul and I stayed up playing video games while my <laughs> sister went out with my mom and aunt for a night to tell them about the strange and weird occurrences taking place in their home. Mm-hmm. In the morning, we all met for breakfast and had a great family outing. I was once again working late that following night, and when I got home, I was surprised to see the back porch lights were on. I crept out to the gate and was sick at what I saw. Paul was standing in the backyard, totally naked with a shovel in his hands. There were roughly 15 to 20 giant holes dug in the backyards, holes that looked exactly like graves. And then I did something incredibly stupid. I was a Darren. I had just become so fed up and pissed off at whatever was happening at whatever was plaguing my sister and my best friend. I've always stuck up for my sister and I just wanted to destroy this thing. I opened the gate and yelled out to Paul, what the fuck are you doing, man? And I yelled at him some more. Paul dropped the shovel and just stared right through me and then calmly walked back into the house. I followed him at a distance back into the house, at which point I turned on the lights to the kitchen and Paul immediately came to. It was a really tense moment. He just stood there and cried and hugged me. I had no idea how to handle this. I told him to take a shower and go back to bed. I went out and I filled all the graves he had dug and just finished as the sun was coming back up. The rest of that day was so tense and awkward. It was as if Paul had no recollection of what had happened earlier in the morning. And I didn't want to bring it up, but as Paul was cooking dinner out on the back deck, I went out to see if he needed help. He looked at me with that strange emptiness in his eyes again, and he screamed at me, Yeah, you can help me by redigging all those fucking holes. Jesus. I played it off as if I didn't know what he was talking about. I had never seen Paul look so enraged. I didn't show fear, but on the inside, I was feeling a mixture of all different types of emotions. Paul continued to stare. His eyes were beginning to burn through me, it felt like. Thankfully, the tension was broken when my sister came outside. The following afternoon, Paul asked for my help transplanting some bushes into the garden. As we worked, he seemed perplexed as to why the yard had been all dug up and returned, and I returned with, you don't remember, remember any of this, do you? He kept shaking his head, wondering what the hell was going on. I told him to just take it easy and rest while I finished. When I came in for lunch, Paul was screaming about the red water flowing from the walls. My sister and I were confused because at this point in time, we hadn't been experiencing much and everything we did experience seemed to be based around Paul. Mm -hmm. That night before I had to go into work, Paul was sleeping soundly upstairs and my sister and I had a lengthy talk in the kitchen. My sister was so depressed and beyond knowing what to do. She had mentioned reaching out to a medium or to try and get Paul inpatient psychiatric treatment. Mm -hmm. I told her to be patient and that we needed to work with Paul in the meantime and we needed to get everyone out of that house. I went to my room and got changed and left for work at about 10 p.m. 
As I settled into the driver's seat, I was immediately spooked by the image of Paul sitting behind me in the back seat, crying and yelling about the small man who won't leave him alone. I got out of the car and screamed for my sister. When she came out to the driveway, she was absolutely horrified, bawling and shaking. She said, Tom, get away from that fucking car right now. I said, what's going on? My jaw dropped at what she showed me. She found her cell phone. She had found it ringing in the basement. There were missed calls from Paul's business phone in Michigan. What? She had, in fact, missed several calls over the last three days from Paul's phone. The thing masquerading itself as Paul began laughing slowly and maniacally in the back seat of my car. It stood out of the car and began punching out the windows with glass flying everywhere, screaming, It's time! It's time! It's time! My sister's keys already in hand motioned for me to hop in her car and we peeled out of the driveway faster than a NASCAR racer coming out of the pit. We were on the highway in a matter of 10 minutes, at which point my sister had me call Paul on her cell phone and sure enough, he answered it from his hotel room. He said he was supposed to come home in the morning from Michigan, but my sister yelled that he needed to stay there and we were coming to him. She explained everything to him as much detail as I could possibly give here. Paul was understandably devastated at whatever the fuck that thing was that had been playing sick tricks on our family. Paul and Karen went back to the house from hell for a a week, a, a week later to retrieve their belongings. The state of the house when we arrived was absolutely shocking. Multiple holes in the walls. Every mirror in the house had been shattered. The strange foul odor emanating from the porch now overtook the entire house. We didn't waste much time packing all of our essentials and leaving whatever was disposable behind. Whatever happened to us in that house, we wanted to remain dead and buried there. None of us have ever gone back, but the three of us still talk about it in length at occasion. As weird as it is to say, that crazy experience truly solidified a lifelong bond among the three of us. In the decade plus since, our lives have actually been great. Paul and Karen went on to have three kids. My sister and Paul moved back to Portsmouth. I moved to York Harbor in Maine, which is only about a half an hour drive, and even have a couple of kids myself. We've made a pact to tell our kids when they're older about what happened. We're sure we'll get crazy looks and eye rolls, but we decided not to lie to our kids and to make them aware that there are things in this life that are unexplainable. What they do with the information is up to them. We just hope that none of them ever have to experience the horror the three of us endured in that house. I hope you guys liked this story and get to share it. Thanks so much for bringing us all the scares. Keep up the great work. Your Highness of the Suck. Hmm. Peace and love, Tom. Wow. Oh my God, I love that I closed that because I can't even like... Ooh, Tom, man, that's a that was like a, a great horror movie or like, a, like, a, like the plot of an awesome... Stephen King, like, that was like, what? I did not see the fake Paul Me coming. Either. I was like, Jesus Christ. Because, like, why does he have to get out of the car? What's going on? Right. And then the phone in the basement. I mean, that was, oh, that was great. I had, I mean, ch- I had chills. I was holding onto my binder with a death grip. Oh, my God. Is that crazy? That's a crazy story. Oh, man. If that's, if that story, oh, I hope, I hope, for both of us, I hope that story, a story like that doesn't happen to either one of us. But, if one of us has to experience something like that, I hope it's me, not you. I feel like that would, I wouldn't it do would well, it, but it would absolutely break you. I would be committed after that. <laughs> absolutely. That would be the end of me. Truly. Oh I couldn't handle it. No. I don't know how you move past that. I would constantly be touching you like, are you real? Are you the real Dan? Are you the real? Like, I just, I would probably cut you to make sure you bleed. Like, sweet. <laughs> no, I'm serious though. Like, weird. I would come with like weird oh things God. of like, 
I don't I don't know like how to find out that you're the real Dan and not this thing that has taken like a shapeshifter. That's our horror movie is that that happens to you uh-huh. and then the following of your reaction to me is my own horror movie. <laughs> True. <laughs> Where I'm being like I, I just picture waking up to you with a knife like I, I gotta cut you. I gotta cut you to make sure that you're real. Yeah. You'd have to commit me. Oh wow. Yeah that was I was I, sma- I almost just completely <laughs> smashed this thing. Yeek. Yikes. Good one. Good one. Good one. I, know, I told you that's the most terrifying thing I have ever read in my life because everything about it feels so possibly real. Me. Oh, man. I mean, obviously it happened to them. I, I just fuck me. <laughs> that was intense. Would you like a lovely little palate cleanser? I would. Okay. I would. Now, the story is sweet. It, it, it is a tiny bit sad. Okay. Uh, but but it is it is sweet, and I I think that it just goes to show for certain that people do hang around after they die. Okay. 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 Hey Dan and Lindsay, I am a recently minted fan of both Time Suck and Scared to Death, and I always look forward to new episodes every week. I just listened to the possession of Clara Germana. What is it? Keel. Uh, it's like Seal. Uh, I can't remember her, but yes, you know that chick, Clara Germana. Yeah, Clara. And Lindsay's comment about how the idea of beloved family members lingering on in the physical world can be comforting reminded me that I have a story fitting that description myself. Okay. The events of this story happened to me when I was about six years old, but I was never told this story until about a year ago. I'm now 26. So 20 years ago, this happened. Yep. Okay. I've always wanted to believe in the paranormal, but this story moved me in a profound way. To the point that I now 100% believe that a person's spirit or energy or ghost Mm -hmm. can live on and manifest itself in a perceptible way. Mm -hmm. My mother passed away in a car accident when I was just five years old. I was with her and we were on our way back from Christmas shopping for family when our van veered off the highway, Uh. rolling in a ditch. I don't remember anything surrounding the accident other than the few moments before the crash and then what happened later after I regained consciousness. Her death was really hard on my dad and me. I was my dad's first and only child, and he felt lost trying to raise me on his own. While coping with the death of his wife, who he had been with for 15 years, Mm. my dad struggled with depression during the first few years, and I was in grief counseling during that entire time. However, the one decision my dad and I made together that was a huge positive impact on my recovery during that time Mm -hmm. was to enroll me in our neighborhood Girl Scout troop. Some of the friendships I made during those years have lasted to this day. And that new outlet helped me take my mind off my mom. Mm -hmm. Sometimes my dad would take me to our troop meetings, and other times my aunt, his sister, would take me. According to my aunt, who would recount this story to me over 20 years later, Mm -hmm. during one meeting, all of the girls were seated on the floor in a circle while the moms and other caretakers sat around the kitchen table watching us play. One girl's grandmother was there seated next to my aunt this was my grandmother's first meeting and she knew nothing about this was um the grandmother not my grandmother oh yeah the friend's grandmother sorry this was my friend's grandmother's first meeting and she knew nothing about me my aunt or my mother's death roughly a year before this as i would come to learn later after being friends with this woman's granddaughter for several years she claimed to have the sight and to be Hmm. very in tune with supernatural energy as we were playing in the living room the grandmother leaned over to my aunt and said Who's the red-haired woman sitting behind Mary? This question shook my aunt, as my mother was a ginger with fiery red hair, Mm -hmm. not that this woman could have ever even known that. My aunt replied, that's her mother. She passed about a year ago. Mm -hmm. 
The grandmother then went on to explain what she saw. She said that she, as she looked at us sitting on the floor, she could see my mother kneeling close behind me with her arms around me as if she was trying to protect me. When I heard my aunt tell me this, almost 20 years later, we both immediately began to cry. I don't have that many memories of my mom as she died when I was so young, but everyone who speaks to me about her always says I was the light of her life and how much she truly loved being my mother. I've never had any paranormal experiences in my life. I've never seen a ghost, my mom's or otherwise. I've never heard weird noises in the night or felt a sudden chill in an empty room. However, this story does make me believe that my mom may have lingered on in the months after her death, perhaps out of regret that she wouldn't be there to help raise me. My apologies if the story is more sad than spooky, but there is something a bit comforting to me in the thought that our loved ones may not completely leave us when they depart from this plane. I never thought I would ever be writing this story, but I always love hearing other listeners' personal stories, and that really encouraged me to share mine. Thanks for always creating such an inviting space for your fans to share. Keep on sucking, Mary. Oh, thanks, Mary. I know wow. I love. I kind of love that. It was like a bit sad, but I do love yeah. that idea. Yeah, me too. I mean, yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff to just you know, as, as, as in moments skeptical as I am of all of this. Yeah, I just think. But how? Why would they see that? Why would they know the hair? You know, like it's just right, right. So specific, and it, and it is so sweet, sad, but also sweet. Of yeah. like, she wants to still be. There. Oh man, yeah. What what worlds lie beyond this? So mm-hmm. shapeshifters and protective spirits. Oh man, I hope I hope, I hope more protective uh, spirits than whatever that fucking crazy little dancing dark basement demon thing was. Holy shit, that would be the best horror movie ever. Oh my god, that's what I was thinking too. I, I just kept like picturing it as a horror movie. I know, I know. It just felt so real. Yeah. I think. Pull, pull, pull. I yes. loved it. You when, when the tap, tap, tap. You were like, no. I know. No my, I'm like, no. We no tapping. Tapping. But what were you think? You well, think I what? just, I just think that like if they had a friend, like I have a friend. Oh God, here we go. Who sends you? This was a Valentine's Day gift that I forgot to <laughs> mention on air. Uh, there we go. And do you know what's in this box? Uh, a bunch of crystals. Not chocolates. Crystals. It, Look at this. This is a rose quartz little um I'm I'm dying. Wolf head. Wolf head. It's a wolf head. I'm dying inside because the next episode I'm going to record later today is the secret suck. Yeah. A little companion at times where I make fun of like what I call wackadoodles. If you were selling exactly this in like an infomercial, I would be absolutely making fun of you on the next podcast. I can't lift this up enough for you to see, but she like this gal in... Uh, she must be in near Bloomington where Kate is. Mm-hmm. Kate, I just gave away your address. Um, she obviously like took all the chocolates out. Or maybe you can buy these empty. I'm sure you could like on a manufacturing kind oh, of thing. Oh, yeah. And then she put the crystals in and then put like a little note behind it saying like what crystal it is. Amethyst. So yeah, people are making this and selling this. Mm-hmm. It's so cute. It's such a clever idea. It's cute. It's cute. Yeah, but there, I wouldn't be making fun of someone selling it if there's just like, here's a cute display. But I was picturing, like, but if you were like, okay, and then this is the one that allows you to telekinetically, you know, move shit around in your room. That's this one. <laughs> this is the one. Amazon That allows you to bend fire. Then this is the one that allows you to read here's minds. Here's a firebender. You can <laughs> But if you were serious, I'm like, you're so close to the people I make fun of on the other podcast. You don't know how serious I am. I I hold back. No, because I don't want to be your wackadoodle. I don't. I don't want. Um, you to, I don't want you to be my wackadoodle either. I mean, if, if I have to have a wackadoodle, I want it to be you. That means that's nice. I I could wear a shirt that said like you could wear a shirt that says something like I don't want a wackadoodle, mm-hmm. and then I could wear a shirt that says I'll be your wackadoodle. That's pretty cute. That's cute. <laughs> it is cute. <laughs> you nut. 
I am a little nutty. Listen, you're a little bit insane in different ways. So like True. we just bring our own kind of crazy to our relationship. And True. that's, that's people ask all Ma- the time. Like it makes it interesting. Yeah. Like, oh, what makes your relationship work? I said, well, we're just each other's kind of crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. I bring a new level with the crystals. I get that. It is very entertaining. <laughs> Thanks, Kate. I love you. <laughs> oh. Uh, thank you guys for uh, sending those stories Dad, in. Dad. Oh my God, it's I'm gonna be fr- that one really good. Please keep sending in your stories. You know, I, I like both of them today. They don't have to be like the big long story. They can be a poignant one. They yeah, don't, they don't have to be. You know, D- don't overthink it. I guess. You know, is what I'm trying to say. If if you just have any experience with something that you know you just you think science can't explain, mm-hmm. and it's just like especially something that maybe convinced you to believe in the uh, unbelievable. I guess. We love it. We love those stories. It's my favorite part of the show. Uh, so please keep sending them to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. And then anything else uh, you want to send, send it to info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Yeah, and that's how you talk to me. Mm-hmm. So thanks for listening or watching Scared to Death Bad Magic Production. Thanks to the Bad Magic Productions team, Harmony Camp, Joe Paisley, Zach Flannery, Sophie Evans, finding those stories. Uh, and thanks to Joe Paisley, Zach Cohen, and Jeffrey Montoya for the sound beds. Thanks to Heather Rylander for taking over the My Story at Scared to Death pod, My Story at Scared to Death podcast.com emails. And you can follow us on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Do it. That's where you can find the pictures if you listen uh, that I talk about in every episode at Scared to Death Podcast. Subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube if you want to watch and enjoy your nightmares, creeps, and peepers. Hope today you were scared to death. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through but has no home here within scared to death. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. With blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar. Discover legendary tastes with America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.